It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What is going on? Welcome to episode number 240? Oh no, I don't even know the episode number. I think we're 240 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Monday, December 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Uh, Locked On Raptors, as I've told you a million times, and as I will tell you every day until I stop doing this, which will be never. You're stuck with me forever. Uh, you can find it on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network as part of uh, 30 team-focused shows, plus Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On uh, NBA with David Locke. Lots of amazing content for you to check out uh, with the teams you're interested in. A great thing you can do if you're listening to Locked On Raptors is check in on the shows for uh, the upcoming team that the Raptors are playing. Check out Locked On Suns, for example. We're going to talk about the Suns a little bit on today's show, but if you want to hear about the wonderful defense that, team's pl- that team plays, make sure you're checking out Locked On Suns. Uh, and that's available on the network. You can find it on its own separate page. You can do that with Locked On Raptors as well. We're on our own separate page on iTunes. Please leave a rating or review on the iTunes page. It takes no time at all. It's very easy to uh, you know, put a couple words down and just say you like the show. Five stars would be lovely, and uh, it takes it's free and it helps to move up the rankings, makes us more discoverable, and all that good stuff. So, thank you for that. Um, on today's show, we are joined by a regular on this program. Uh, and he's going to help me kind of catch up for the Pacers game that I still haven't had a chance to watch because I was working during it and just uh, the weekend work is a pain and gets in the way of things and haven't had a chance to watch yet. But uh, it's Vivek Jacob. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Sean? Out of breath after that intro. Uh, but <laughs> ready to go here. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about the Pacers game a little tiny bit. Uh, we'll t- look ahead to the Suns game as well and uh, just kind of you know take stock of where the Raptors are right now. We kind of like a good weekly check-in with Vivek to, uh, you know, just kind of bounce around a few things. Um, so with the Pacers game Friday, the Raptors win 120-115. I think the thing that stands out from this one is that uh, literally everybody scored a whole bunch of points um, across the board. What is it, seven players in double digits for the Raptors. Uh, DeMar DeRozan with 26 to lead the way, but then everyone else just kind of in the teens and tens and uh, just, you know, con- contributing all over the place. Jakob Pertl, I think, probably stands out from this one as well. 18 points, 6 boards, 8 of 8 shooting. Uh, he didn't take a single dribble to score in this game, from what I read about this game. Uh, he's big Clay Thompson, essentially. Uh, so that's uh, that's good. Um, Vivek, what was your what was your main takeaway from this game against the Pacers? Um, outside of the refereeing, uh, if we're just talking about what happened on the court, I would have to say um, just Jakob Pertl. I thought he was 
incredible. I mean, we, we all know about his defense and being in position all the time and, you know, showing perfectly and retreating back to his man. And we know about the offensive rebounds, kept possessions alive, as he always does. Uh, but the perfect 8-for-8 uh, eight eight is what stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it a bit weird that uh, his plus-minus uh, was uh, zero for this one. Um <laughs> But it was also uh, part of that, I think, had to do with uh, Casey sort of sticking with the hot hand and playing him till he was completely gassed. Right. And, and that's part of why we saw uh, the fourth quarter where things changed up and they couldn't go back to Pirtle because he was so tired. Um, but besides that, uh, a good, strong outing for DeRozan, which is what I was looking for after he had the poor uh, game in Indiana. So he had a nice bounce back, 8 of 10 from the free throw line. You always like to see that with him. Uh, Lowry's been Lowry, uh, even though it wasn't the stat line that he's been putting up of late. He was still solid all-around game, impacting the game. Serge Ibaka's uh, energy at the start of the game was great. He had that huge block. I don't know if you had a chance to catch that on Bogdanovich, sent that into the stands. I did see that, um, and that was awesome. Yeah. Thank so, you, Twitter. Yeah, and then I think the other thing that just continues to stand out for me is uh, how admirably Fred Van Vliet has filled in for yeah. DeLon Wright and uh, you look at the stat sheet 11 points 6 assists 4 rebounds and you know for me he's always one of those guys regardless of the numbers he's pu- putting up he's always trying to do the right thing be in the right place and he was getting hacked a ton on his drives not getting any calls uh, it was cute to see uh, Kyle take one for him uh, with the technical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they've obviously got a pretty nice uh, chemistry going. Hopefully, DeRozan's not too jealous of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a uh, relationship tension there. Uh, we'll leave that one alone for now, considering the circumstances. Uh, yeah, uh, there's lots of different ways we can go off that. I think the Van Vliet thing is fascinating. We've talked about him a little bit over the last week, but he's been really impressive, and I think more so than I thought. Um, I didn't really think he was going to be this good a playmaker. I kind of, you know, thought he was just like a Corey Joseph type, where he would, you know, shoot the odd spot up three, kind of get into the teeth of the defense, look for layups. But other than that, like I was never really impressed by his playmaking or anything. But man, 24 minutes on Friday night, 11 points, six assists. He hit his one three, five and nine from the field. I mean. He's doing everything that, like, Corey Joseph specialized in as, like, the really steady backup point guard. Of course, he's less flashy flashy than DeLon Wright uh, and less impactful defensively. But um, I don't even know. Like, it's hard to, like, project forward to when DeLon comes back. Blake Murphy uh, mentioned today on Twitter that DeLon was shooting today at practice. So that's promising. Um, The fact that it's a shoulder injury and he can shoot, that's, I mean, he's got to be getting reasonably close. It's been, what, two or three weeks now since he got hurt. Um, So hopefully that's going to be back soon. It's kind of flown by because the Raptors have played, like, zero games. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What have you been doing, just to go off on a tangent, what have you been doing, like, what have you been enjoying about the Raptors playing three games over the course of 13 days? Uh, It's given me a nice chance to catch up on some of the other teams. Yeah. Um, and just you know, see what they're doing. Um, I went back and watched more of the Pacers games because you know, just watching their offense and the way Oladipo went off. Uh, I mean, he had himself a night, thirty-six points uh, against the Raptors, and so I've been intrigued by what they've done and the fact that you know they had that little slump and now they seem to have snapped out of it and playing better now. Um, 
So I like what they're doing. I did a bit of catching up on Milwaukee as well because I wanted to see how Bledsoe was doing there. Right. Um, so yeah, just pretty much been going back with my league pass and just catching up on games. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I've oddly not watched very much basketball the last couple weeks. It's probably bad on me, but I've kind of enjoyed the breather from the unending slog that is you know, early November when you're just kind of watching every team to try to get a handle on them. Like, I need a break from a lot of these teams is how I'm justifying it to myself. Uh, and we'll get to the Suns, a team that I watched tonight for a little bit and probably will finish watching once we finish this. Um, yeah, Did you the, catch the uh, Warriors game by any chance with the uh, headbutt? Uh, I did not, no. Uh, it was a weird weekend. I didn't really have time to do anything over the weekend, so I didn't see uh, much from the last couple of days. But uh, the good thing about going back and watching Pacers games is that you go back and you don't have to watch. You know, If you watch every other Pacers game aside from the November 24th one where the Pacers beat the Raptors, you don't really watch Lance Stevenson do anything of note, so that's good. Um, yeah. Because that's the only time he's done jack all this season. Uh, back to the Raptors, though. Uh, we talked about Fred. I mean, just, I don't know what you can say about it at this point. It's just kind of becoming expected that he's going to come in and perform really well as the backup point guard. Uh, just runs everything very steadily, and, like, there hasn't been much of a drop-off from him to the lawn. Again, it's a stylistic change, but in terms of effectiveness, like, there's been very little drop-off. Um, Pirtle, though. Pirtle's, he's interesting because it, for some reason it feels like he was almost behind Bebe in the rotation, if not tied with uh-huh. him. Uh, and then Bebe, of course, unfortunately for him, especially in a contract year for Bebe, it really sucks. He tears his calf. Uh, he's going to be out a long time. And Pirtle is just kind of the backup center now, which I think a lot of people have wanted to be the case. I mean, his minutes have kind of fluctuated a little bit as as, as Bebe's gotten some run. But I think, like, I don't think Pirtle's going to play 25 minutes every night, but he should crack close to 20 every single night and maybe more than that from night to night, depending how well he's playing. Um, yeah. And ultimately, do you think it's like a good thing for the Raptors? I mean, it's not good that Bebe got hurt, but is it a good thing that Pirtle's going to start to get more of those backup center minutes? Yeah, it is a good thing because you look at what's happened with uh, the young guys who have gotten gotten more opportunity. You look at DeLon Wright and Ananobi and all these guys. They've taken the minutes that they've probably not projected to receive before, and they've done a lot with it. So, And now you're seeing Pirtle do the same. And again, I think it's that comfort as well. Uh sort of similar between Van Vliet and Pirtle where, you know, Van Vliet didn't really know where he fit into the rotation when he was behind DeLon Wright and um, Pirtle, he was a little bit more inconsistent um, offensively at least, Mm -hmm. uh, when he was behind Bebe and now I think knowing his role, knowing, you know where he's going to get his minutes I think that just helps him on both ends. Yeah, we don't really have to talk about or worry about Bebe coming back anytime soon unfortunately, but uh, if DeLon is on his way back, it kind of reintroduces a thing that has been an issue the entire season, which is the rotation and how long it should be. And right now they're going with a solid 10 guys. They're still really rolling with those all-bench units, which have been surprisingly effective still to my surprise. Like, I, I keep waiting for the the sort of the, the cliff edge to come up and for them to go over it, but it hasn't happened yet, and they keep performing really well and getting rap- the Raptors back into games. 
Um, you mentioned Pirtle being uh, an even in the last game, but everyone else was at least a plus five off the bench. Um, you know, Siakam, Miles, Powell, Pirtle, Van Vliet. That kind of makes sense in a vacuum as like a unit in terms of what you want in terms of skills and shooting and you know defense. I mean, it's a really good defensive and athletic lineup. Uh, and I kind of, you know, obviously having DeLon right back is a good thing, but that definitely changes the complexion of things and maybe makes things a little bit more sort of, you know, gummed up in terms of shooting and spacing. Uh, so how do you think they approach this when DeLon comes back? Because by the time he's back, you know, we're going to be, what, 25, 30 games into the season, and wow. you're maybe getting to the point where you want to try to have a set rotation. So, like, is DeLon at risk of, like, losing his spot in the rotation? I don't think he is, but, like, how do they go about reincorporating him? Because it's not going to be easy. So I, th- I think the most challenging aspect of this uh, for Casey, it, it sort of stems from Ananobi moving into the starting unit, right? Because now you've got, got to have minutes for Miles and Powell off the bench. Yeah. Uh, whereas before you were sort of okay playing Van Vliet and uh, DeLon Wright together. But now if you're going to have Miles and Powell in there, it becomes a much harder thing to do. And especially when they're next to Siakam and Pirtle. And so... It's going to be interesting how he juggles that. I do think Van Vliet is the he's going to fall back, and you know unless uh, Delon Wright comes out and doesn't defend the way he has been all season and doesn't you know wreak havoc on his drives, uh, I think it's his spot to lose, which is unfortunate for Van Vliet just because of how well he's played. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just uh, the beauty of having such a strong roster from top to bottom. Yeah, but there have been some think pieces sort of, you know, thrown around there about the Raptors bench of the last week or so. Uh, do you think it's the best bench in the NBA? Because, like, I don't know, it might be. I mean, their numbers, I think, are probably the best in terms of just, like, being not crappy, not actively crappy in games and being actively good. Um, but just in terms of, like, talent, I mean, it's it's kind of surprising considering so many of these guys were sort of wild cards coming into the season that you didn't know what to expect from. But... I don't know, it, it might be the deepest bench and best bench in the league, which is something that I don't think we were going to be saying about the Raptors, uh, you know, two months ago. I don't think we would have expected this because just of how much youth they were going into the season with. I mean, I was expecting maybe like two or three of the young guys to really pop this season, and they've kind of all hit on their own little ways. Mm-hmm. Um, with Norm maybe being like the biggest disappointment, although he's really rounded into form lately as well, uh, kind of filling that, that bench role very nicely, I think, next to Miles. Um, so is this the best bench in the league? I think when you when you when you look at it just from a bench perspective, then yes, they, yeah. I think they are the best bench in the league. But I think when you look at it from a five man unit perspective, where yeah, you know you've got the Warriors staggering Steph and KD, and yeah. so then when you look at those lineups, then maybe not so much. But uh, yeah, I think when you just look at the seven guys outside of the starting lineup, I think the Raptors are way up there, uh, which I did not expect at all. I expected, um, frankly, a lot of growing pains and for them to sort of settle into a rhythm as the season went along. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been actually even more impressive to me has been their performance on the road. Because um, at home, you know, you can sort of be comfortable and, uh, you know, you've got the home fans rooting for you. So you, there's a comfort zone there. Yeah. But to go on the road and show the poise that they've shown. Um, and, you know, I think part of that may have to do with the fact that they're just 
in general, older, young guys, if you will. Right. You know, you look, you look at Norman Powell, you look at DeLon Wright, who's 25, Siakam's also 23. So, you know, I think there's a maturity there in that group, and that there's definitely no fear sort of in the moment. You look at, you know, you think back to Siakam on the road against Golden State, the game he had there, he was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these little moments are going to help them. Um, and obviously... Uh, the tough choice for Casey comes when uh, the playoffs start because now it's great to get you know Lowry 32 minutes a game. Uh, DeRozan's playing a minute less than he did last season, but you know he's a young guy; he can handle it. Um, but yeah, when the playoffs come and Lowry's going to be back up to that you know 38, maybe close to 40 uh, minute range, and same with DeRozan, that's when it's going to be tough to figure out who's in and who's out. But it's a uh, I'd rather have them that problem than not. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, you know, the I feel like Dwayne Casey's kind of played this regular season perfectly. Like, if uh-huh. you would have like laid out the blueprint at the start of the season, I would have said, "All right, I hope Lowry's minutes come back a little bit. They've gone up a little bit since Delon got hurt, but you would expect that." Um, and I, I would hope Lowry's minutes are down. I'd hope DeRozan's minutes are down. I'd hope that the young guys are getting extensive burn to see what you have in each of them. Um, and it, I would hope that the offense has changed and is, is showing signs of being more modern and maybe more uh, sort of defense-proof in the playoffs. And it's kind of all happening right now. And, I mean, there are other big sort of, you know, jumps that teams have made, I guess. Like, Brett Brown's going to be a hot coach of the year candidate and whatnot. And the Raptors are boring, and no one cares about the Raptors right now because of the same, essentially the same team, although they're very different in terms of their DNA, I think, this season. But in terms of wins, like, they're not going to be making a big jump or anything like that. But, like, there's, like, a real case there, I think, for Casey as one of the best coaching jobs in the league so far because he's, you know, done the entire thing that very few teams can do, and that's balanced development with being really good. And, you know, I think by the end of the season, it's going to, you know, the the guys who are getting all this run in sort of developmental minutes, like, it's just going to benefit those guys and benefit the entire roster. And the roster is going to be, like, infinitely stronger, I think, by the end of this year once you rack up all those sort of experience minutes of those guys um, and sort of the situations they've been put in, like, than it was at the start of the season. It's it's really impressive to me. Um, and, like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't really care about Coach of the Year because it usually just goes to uh, the most surprising coach. Like, Sam Mitchell won this thing one time, so who really cares? But um, I don't know. Like, do you think Casey's done one of the better coaching jobs in the league? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. Because um, just going back to the summer when there was the talk of the culture reset, yeah. for me personally, I, did, I just didn't see how you could – reset the culture change the offense the way he has um without getting in a new coach and the fact that he's done that and to your point to change the offense as dramatically as he has uh to uh do it with all these young guys i think a huge credit goes to him um and you know obviously boston's going to get a lot of talk with the way they've played and um you talked about philly um and Mike D'Antoni will probably be up there again. Um, but, you know, I think Casey will probably be one of the underrated guys. Yeah, for sure. And again, I don't really care who wins that award. But the Raptors, uh, I believe it was our buddy Joe Wolfon tweeted this out over the weekend. They have now four games of at least 29 assists this season. They had four over the previous three seasons combined. Like, yeah. That is just an enormous change. So... Uh, kudos to Dwayne Casey, kudos to the entire staff, Nick Nurse and all these guys. I mean, it's just, 
I don't know, man. I'm really impressed with this team, and I, and I think I'm a lot. They're a lot further along than I would have thought at the quarter mark. And uh, like I thought, maybe they'd be like 12 and 10 at this point in the season, or 12 and 11, and or and just kind of, you know, making their way through and trying to, you know, get themselves back up near the top of the league in offense after a slow start. But they've been a top five offense pretty much all season. They're right there with the Cavs. They're you know. points per 100 possessions behind the Cavaliers for the third best offense in the league. And they have the best net rating in the entire Eastern Conference by more than a point. Um, So, and if you cancel the Celtics over the second best team, they're up by 4.4 points on the Wizards. So, um, I I just, it's, I'm endlessly impressed by how far this team has come. And I think it's going to look even better a couple weeks from now because the schedule coming up is so soft. Um, And I guess we can transition to the game tomorrow against the Suns, the beginning of this super easy schedule. And, man, the Suns depressed the hell out of me. Uh, watching them play defense brings me back to the Jay Triano years of coaching with the Raptors. I mean, they've gotten a little better with Triano. They're 8-13 and with him. But, I mean, there was the gif over the weekend of against the Celtics where they just, like, stood there while oh, they yeah. rained offensive boards and threes on them. And that same thing happened tonight against the Sixers at the end of the half. The Sixers just had like four wide open threes in a row that uh, they just grabbed offensive rebounds for and finally hit one at the at the buzzer. I think it was a long two. Uh, but the Suns were just like, all right, just take this uncomfortably wide open three. We'll psych you out. That's our defensive strategy, which I don't think is going to work. <laughs> it's not a good strategy. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Suns other than just utter depression? Um, I think the Raptors need to come out and set the tone early because – uh, there was a week where the Raptors played New York and Indiana and yeah. Atlanta, and I expected that to be a three and all week, and it ended up being one and two. So right. I think you know they they've got to come in and be professional and just do focus on what they have to do and get the W. Um, these are wins that are sort of just sitting there waiting for you to get, and they have to go get them. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, uh, this team, I I mean, Devin Booker's been pretty good from like a stats perspective this season. Um, his shooting is coming back up a little bit. Even his defense has like improved marginally, but like, I don't know, like the baseline isn't very high. And like TJ Warren's had some like monster games this season, so that's fun. But other than that, I mean, this is just a very uninspiring team. Tyler Eulis is starting a point guard for them now which is, uh, he's a nice little player. I feel like tonight he's up against Ben Simmons, which is just comedy. Um, and he's got, he's like, he's sort of feeling like the nice little passes here and there. Like he seems to have like a good handle and he's not dumb out there, but I don't know. He's not uh, all that impressive a player and he's like five foot seven. So I don't know how important he's ever going to be. Um, and like their young guys don't seem to really be doing Like Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender are, they, they feel like they're maybe stagnating a little bit. I don't know. Jay Triano, what are your thoughts on Triano as a coach? Because I feel like he's kind of been in the situation where he's just been in like the perfect place at the right time uh, for his two coaching jobs, and I'm not really sure if he's actually an NBA coach, and maybe that's unfair to him, and maybe that's betraying my Canadian passport, but like 
he just doesn't feel like a very good coach to me. And, like, he never was with the Raptors. Obviously, the talent, he was there for, like, the post-Bosch season that was 22-60. and 60. So, like, I don't know how much you put on him there with, you know, some of the players that were on that roster. But I don't know. He just he doesn't feel like a very good coach to me. And, like, I've always kind of thought that maybe the Canadian team has passed him by, too. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a Roy Rana or a Dave Smart get, like, the full national team job uh, over uh-huh. him just to sort of inject some new blood. I don't know. I just, I'm kind of cold on Jay Triano. And I don't know. There's going to be lots of fluff pieces on him t- tomorrow or Wednesday after they're yeah. here. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at with him as a coach? No, I'm, I think I'm on the same page with you. I, I remember watching an interview after uh, his coaching time with Toronto had ended. And he talked about you know how he wasn't really prepared to be a head coach. And how there was just so much more that he had to deal with. Yeah. Um, especially just in terms of managing players and their personalities. Um, and she sort of admitted that he wasn't ready for that. So uh, I don't know how much he's grown over time in terms of just being ready for that the next time and just being better at, you know, dealing with players' personalities and all the different aspects of, you know, managing your assistant coaches and giving them their assignments and whatnot. Um, so it does look like more of the same. Uh, especially defensively and when I look at their center rotation right now it it just puzzles me because <laughs> it, I see what is it Alex Lynn gets a DNP CD one, uh, one night then it's Chandler who takes the DNP CD the next night then it's Greg Monroe and you know to me it's it, you don't you want to know what Alex Lynn can do in consistent minutes I mean I think I know did, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what what is what are you gaining out of playing Tyson Chandler? Like, I mean, unless they're just sort of putting him out there to shop him. Um, but I don't know. I, I find the whole rotation weird. They've never committed in any particular direction. But I guess that has more to do with the front office than Jay Triano. Um, so yeah, they, they're just sort of wishy-washy in terms of their direction, and I think it sort of carries over with Triano as well. I don't expect him to sort of build a culture yeah. in Phoenix. I don't know what his culture would be because when you look at the defense, I mean, there's zero accountability. Like you said, to, to have that happen just the other night and now you're saying it, it's happened again? Yeah. Like, if I saw that happen once, guaranteed that team is getting reamed out and, yeah. you know... I can't imagine again. Jay Triano really yelling at anybody. I'm all five off the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the accountability isn't there uh, and you know I don't know I, I don't know if he's just walking on eggshells trying to keep everyone happy or who knows yeah it's a pretty miserable situation Tyson Chandler I mean if they're if they're playing him to sort of make him trade bait uh, maybe stop playing him maybe that's better because he just yeah. he gives zero shits right now uh, he had like that play that we were talking about against Boston over the weekend he, he picked up, like, at least three three-second violations on that one play. Like, he just stood there. It didn't move for, like, ten seconds. Um, I'm not sure how they didn't call it. I mean, why, why bother? Because, obviously, it's going to end in a Boston three anyway. But, uh, yeah, just he does not care. Are, do you think the Raptors will try to make, like, a little, like, human switch between Tyson Chandler and Jonas Valanciunas? Like, I don't know how you pull it. Um, but try to, like, send Jonas back on the plane to Phoenix and then keep Tyson in Toronto? <laughs> uh, yeah. Every, everyone's talking about the this DeAndre Jordan rumor, which is not a rumor, and let's not talk about it on the podcast. But uh, like 
is Chandler like a more like would you be interested in Chandler in like a JV swap? I mean, this has to assume that the uh, the, the Suns would want to do it, which I, I doubt they would. Um, but I don't know. Like the I'm trying to pull up his contract here. I think it's more matchable than, than DeAndre Jordan's, and obviously you can get him for less than DeAndre Jordan. You would assume. Um, and like maybe he just needs to be on a team that isn't terrible and depressing to to be useful. I don't know. Is that something that would interest you if like the Raptors are looking? To, I mean, this was something that Zach Lowe kind of pointed out before the season in his like predictions for the season column um, that the Raptors were still going to try to shop Jonas in like a center for center swap. I think Tyson Chandler's name did come up in there. Um, is that something you'd be interested in at all? Uh, no, not really. I, I'm not a big fan of the center for center swap for the Raptors. Just because, for me, I think the move should be uh, Jonas for someone who's more of a power forward so that Ibaka can slide over to center full-time. Right. Um, I think that's the move that I would prefer. And, you know, I, I, I know the rebounding is a concern uh, if, if you play Ibaka and Siakam together, but um, I think at this point their defensive rating has been impressive enough to... I think overlook that a little bit, and you know what? The way Larry's rebounding, maybe you don't need a Baca averaging ten rebounds a game. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so. By the way, Tyson Chandler is a power forward. If you remember back in the days with uh, him and Eddie Curry when they were going to own the league, uh, uh, Tyson course. Chandler was the power yes. forward. So uh, yeah, watch that, who you're calling a, a center. <laughs> <laughs> no, I st- I think uh, you know I think it'd be nice to get a power forward type. I'm just not sure. That's realistic because I feel like every center trade we've seen over the last two seasons has been flawed center for flawed center, uh, and then this like each flawed center just slightly fits the team they're going to a little bit better. Um, so that's kind of how I think it would be for the Raptors. But again, I don't really see why the Suns would take on like older Alex Len, who's more expensive than Alex Len, who's but he's better, but he's not that much better that you'd want to take that on. Um, and then as you mentioned they have a bunch of young dudes that they should probably see what they have in them anyway with with Chris and Bender and whatnot. So. I'm not saying this is going to happen or anything. It's just an interesting thing because I feel like that's one of the more realistic. I mean, people want to throw out DeAndre or Marcus Gasol. If you're looking at like realistic trades that could happen in season for the Raptors, I think Tyson Chandler is kind of on the list. That's kind of the category of player you're looking at. Sort of a lower-tiered salary center who right. does different things than Jonas but might be gettable for something less uh, than one of those other star-type guys um, because, like, I don't care who, what Jerry from Parks and Rec is reporting. Like... DeAndre Jordan's not coming to the Raptors. There's no way. It doesn't work financially. Uh, you have to give up like a bunch of the young dudes in order to make it happen. I'm just not sure it's a, a, a notable enough upgrade for them to do it. So, And there'll be other packages out there that are better than what the Raptors can offer anyway. They don't have to pick this season. So, uh, right. That's that's the last I'm going to mention DeAndre Jordan on this podcast as well. Um, we've kind of covered everything here. Are you expecting a win against the Suns tomorrow? I am expecting a win, yes. Okay. Uh I think yeah. the Raptors. I'm, let me go look at the schedule here. I think I'm like ready to predict like a long Raptors winning streak coming up here. Yeah, it's like, like know, let's Eric, pick on over under. That Sorry, would give Lowry some trouble. Right, and so he's not there anymore. So uh, I think in terms of all the matchups, the Raptors should have the advantage. Raptors have won three straight right now, correct? Yes, I think. Oh God, I should know this. Uh, yeah, they beat the... I want to say... Yeah, the Hawks, Hornets, Pacers. So they yeah. have three in a row. Uh, Over-under for how long this current Raptors road uh, winning streak goes. They play the Suns, then the Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, and Suns on the road. 
in the easiest West Coast trip in the history of the Toronto Raptors. Um, and then they come home for the Nets, the Kings, and then they visit the Hornets and the Sixers after that. I, I'm going to say the Raptors are going to rattle off eight straight. I think they will lose to one, two, three, four, five. Uh, eh, I'm going to say six straight. They're going to lose, or nine straight, six more beyond this. I think they lose to the Kings at home on the afternoon game, December 17th. Uh, but they'll win every other game in between. Are you willing to go over or under a nine-game winning streak for the Raptors? I just, I feel like I've been recently scarred by predicting a 3-0 road trip for, <laughs> <laughs> with the Knicks and the Pacers and the Hawks. So I am going to have to go with the under. I feel like they're just going to do something stupid against Memphis and some, find a way to throw that one out. They just like always beat Memphis in Memphis, though. Just... It's true. If anything, they're going to lose in Sacramento because, of course, they will. Because <laughs> they can never <laughs> win. But the Kings are so ass. They're terrible. Like, they're, they're the only team that's comparable to the Suns on defense. Yeah. yeah. No, the Kings are bad. I mean, it's a 3.30 start time. Interesting. 6.30 um, Eastern, though. So that's not that, that's not that crazy. 6.30 on their clocks. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, so you're going under the the nine game win streak. I will go under. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, they've they've had some very close games with Charlotte. If Kemba plays that game, Kemba has a habit of just going off against the Raptors. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ghosts of Gerald Henderson that have transposed yeah. themselves into. Him. I don't know if that's the word for it, but yeah. Um, so you're the you're very much a pessimist about this. All right, I'll, I'll I'll be my brand and I'll say optimistic and say the Raptors go on a nine game winning streak. But yeah, you can you can be a hater if you want. That's going to be the headline. <laughs> Vivek hates the Raptors. Uh, let's let's put that out there. Yeah, uh, uh, Vivek. Anything? So if you are you choosing under? Is this where you're? you're yeah, very I'm wishy going wishy. with the under. Okay. You know, at some point we got to do uh, maybe at the halfway point for the season we should do a check in on where we are with our you know our uh, season bets. Oh, I forgot uh, that. Our... Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Uh, yeah, it was Sahal's on that one too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so. we will definitely do that around the halfway point. Um, this was a good way to sort of mark the quarter point. Vivek, thanks for coming on, man. Do you have anything you want to plug right now? Uh, yeah, it just uh, as always, doing my work at uh, North Pole Hoops and Raptors Republic and B Ball Breakdown. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Uh, a lot of cricket going on right now, so this is going to be some cricket in your uh, feed as well. So there's we'll nothing wrong with that. that. I'm I'm okay for diversifying the feed a little bit because basketball takes can be tiresome. Um, well, you're gonna have to be up at 4 a.m. too. <laughs> I am most days, so that's fine. Yeah, I wake up to some good. Uh, I, I learn the rules of cricket on the fly. I still don't really understand what's going on, but I appreciate you doing it anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. Please go to iTunes, leave ratings and leave reviews. It very much helps to make us more popular, which is what we all want, I think. Um, you can check out LockedOnRaptors.com. Right now, uh, I'm doing a column all month long, and after I record this, I'm going to go write today's post. Um, called the Raptors Advent Calendar. I'm counting down to Christmas with a da- with a daily little post about the Raptors. It's all in one post and a little countdown. 
Um, first day I talked about Norman Powell for 24 days until uh, 23, what did I talk about? Oh, I ranked all 23 seasons in Raptors history. That was a depressing ordeal. Uh, for 22, I talked about Rudy Gay, the most famous 22 in Raptors history, and kind of the reason I'm a Raptors fan now, which is kind of bizarre and strange, but uh, interesting nonetheless if you want to check that out. And today, uh, I'll tease it for you, I'm going to be writing about Nando DiColo for 21, because he played what? 21... What about Antoine Wright? No, no, no. I'm talking. No, I'm not going to straight numbers of what guys were. Oh, okay. I'm just going out like something to do with 21. Nando Nicola played 21 games as a Raptor, so I'm going to dive into those. Uh, what could have been, what could still one day be, because he's still technically property of the Raptors somehow. Um, so uh, check that out. The Raptors Advent Calendar that'll be up later today. And uh, thanks for reading. Thanks for checking the stuff out. Make sure you're leaving ratings and reviews and stuff. Uh, Vivek, thanks for coming on, man. And we will talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Joe Wolfond is going to come on from The Score. He's going to talk about the piece he wrote today at The Score about the Raptors' young dudes. We're going to pick some like upsides and floors and ceilings and all that stuff for the young dudes. So that'll be fun. Uh, and we'll talk to you then on another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.